But like you said, I like I'm obsessed with her album. And then like I got into the weeds and I was literally listening to her Christmas album last night on the drive home. And I'm like, it's so beautiful. And then I was like, wait, is it Christmas Carol? <laughs> like, I know which one, Glittery or uh, that's um, my favorite gl- from her. Christmas. I definitely listened to Glittery last night and I really love it. But I, I was like obsessed with um, the Hawaiian one, just like Malakikimaka. <gasps> that's my favorite like, Christmas song. Boom. Yes. I am so confused about the seasons, but I'm having the best drive home. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's actually probably a really good song to listen to the summertime because it does have like heavy Hawaiian vibes. What's your favorite song from the Star-Crossed album? Honestly, (laughs) Star-Crossed. I know that's so lame. Chills go down my body. But when you showed me her, well, her, because I was not informed, um, I played that song and I started crying and I played it 500 times. I am not even kidding you. I drove to and from work for like three weeks and that is all I listened to. And it's, as you know, it's such a long drive. And I was just like, play again, play again, play again. Like I was, and I belted it at the top of my lungs. Like it moves it, me. It gets me chills. It's same. Yeah. All that, that's how I feel about the entire album. Um, easier said is probably my favorite. I feel like really? it's super under underappreciated. Yeah. But lyrically and like just like the sound, like when you go through a breakup, you know what that like exactly what she's talking about. Like exactly what she's describing. Like whether or not you can feel that emotion with her in the moment, like you can relate to it. So you can totally relate to it. And even if you're not feeling it in the moment, I feel like it takes you back to that place. Like not in a negative yeah. way, but in like a remember when you had super raw feelings and you were hurting? Yeah, you're okay now. It's like therapeutic. It's cathartic. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also one of my favorite um uh ones from her video from the movie, like favorite scenes from the movie. Um, because that's the one where like they're literally picking up her pieces like she's a broken doll and like putting her back together and like putting Mm -hmm. her heart back together Mm -hmm. and like the visuals of that oh chills chills so that's probably my favorite yeah that's that's well that's probably close for me too but yeah start cross that belting oh (laughs) Uh, I know I know I need to learn I need to learn the the lyrics for um Oh, Gracias a la Vida. I need to learn the lyrics to that because that is one of my favorite songs that she sings, but I don't know the words. So every time, exactly. So every time I sing along with it, I'm either making up words or like singing (laughs) the two or three Spanish words that I can pick up. Other than that, it's just like mumble (laughs) because the song is so beautiful, but I just don't know what she's saying. Because that's exactly what I did last night when it came on. I was just like, exactly it's so <laughs> nice but I have no idea what's happening yeah yeah it's such a good song and I just love how they end it and I just know this concert is gonna be really emotional for everyone oh yeah like all the people like... that I know that listen to Casey Musgraves are are they say the exact same thing like she just makes them emotional she like taps something into our soul I know yeah it's so funny I've never actually like being shown an artist like well I've been shown an artist and I've liked it but like when you show me Casey Musgraves I was like this is so emotional and like it connected to something deeper I was like yes yes I'm coming to this concert I already love her how did I miss this so yeah 
Thank God you yeah, did. Yeah, I had the same reaction when I found her for the first time. I found her on accident. I think I was, like, looking at, like, country artists. Because, like, yeah. I grew up on country music, but I stopped listening to it, like, probably by middle or high school. Um, but when I, I was, like, looking at country artists, like, to see who was, like, around these days. Like, who's the next Taylor Swift kind of thing? Um, yeah. And I stumbled on Casey Musgraves. And I was like, wait, she has, like, the anti-cowgirl aesthetic, but also has a vintage cowgirl aesthetic at the same time like when I first stumbled on her like her entire aesthetic was really dark like with her dark black hair and like her smoking a joint and her like little fingers up like it gave me this like very like fuck the patriarchy vibe which I do not see with country women at all ever so I could tell she was she was like one of us right and then I start listening to her music and I was like whoa uh, this is equal parts country and not country. And like she ties rock into it. And like all of her sound, all of her country music sounds older, like the stuff that I grew up listening to. So it's just like a perfect fit when I found her. And I'm so glad that you like her as much as I do. Cause I, she's just an artist. And I, I just like, I love when, when, an, when you can like feel the work that somebody has made, like literally feel it. It's how I think Nestor is with Kanye. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you get to know her so well. I, I think a lot of artists, like modern artists, are not as like thorough and deep with their lyrics. And it's very like content, just, just content coming out. And I feel like that's the exact opposite for her. It's so thoughtful. It's so emotional. It's so raw. And you kind of listen to her work as it's like a story. That's what I think was so cool is like Starcrossed is such a story. And then there's that video, that movie that goes along with it. So it's just, it's like a full experience. It's not just a song, not like each song is not a one-off. It's like pieces of poetry from her life. Like it's really beautiful. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So to celebrate this beautiful experience, we are going like to do everything to look amazing. Yeah, I am so excited. By this, <laughs> by the time this episode comes out, um, it, the concert's going to have passed. But I think first thing Monday morning, we're just going to be showing our photos. Be like, look where we were. Look who we saw. Um, I cannot wait to do a photo shoot with you. Me too. It's been so long and I'm so excited about what we're going to find thrifting this weekend. So yeah. So this is going to be insane because it's actually at the Staples Center, crypto.com. The crypt. The crypto. The crypt. Yeah. Girls, we go into the crypt. The crypt. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been. Have you been there? I have. I actually saw... um... I saw Khalid there a few years ago. Oh, sweet. Um, that was a great concert. I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you listen to Khalid, but uh, his music is beautiful. He also yeah. has that kind of like, you can feel his music in your soul. Um, yeah. yeah, so I saw him. Um, that was like back in 2019. That was really fun. But that's the only that's time cool. I've been to the uh, the crypt. <laughs> the crypt. God. So what did you get up to uh, last week? I saw on your stories you were having like some girls' night. Oh, last night? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you guys last do? Night, okay, so um, like I said, the the neighbor is transitioning from neighbor to friend, and she's wonderful, and you are going to love her. Um, 
So she last minute was like, hey, do you want to come to this concert? A friend's boyfriend's brother is putting it on. And I was like, uh, okay, like I'm in San Bernardino, but I can drive there and meet you there. So, uh, yeah, it was called um, Soul Full of Noise. And it was like R&B and like, just like groovy music, I guess you could say. It was uh, put on by like an all black band, a black um, like host, I I don't know the correct names for like people who put on shows, but basically they have like this organization called Soul Full of Noise. And it's like the band and like the, the hosts that have this event Friday nights and Sundays, I think. And it's at this place called the Sola Beehive in South LA. And it's like this really beautiful venue in like this really interesting part of town that I don't know what like what else is really there but like Sola Beehive is just so gorgeous and it's got like this beautiful structure and like inside area but the event was held outside in the courtyard and they had like food trucks and they had like black like artists and um, like clothing makers designers like just selling all their things and some food trucks um and then they had the band, which was like so cool. Like the band on their own is incredible and like really fun. And just like, yeah, like you just wanted to like dance because they're just so lively. And then they just have like independent artists come in and they like do the band, like the backup for the artists. So I think it was like four different uh, independent groups that came to like sing for the band. And they were all really cool and very different. Um, but I think what was really fun is like, it felt like so family oriented, even though it wasn't like a family. It was just like, yeah, a bunch of random people. But everyone like got up and were dancing. They're like, I feel like it was like line dancing or square dancing. Just like, it was like a, a flash mob, like in the middle of the How fun! Like event. And it was so cute. And there was just like young people and old people and, everyone just knew this dance and I was like I don't know this dance like it was so <laughs> like synchronized um so yeah it was really cool that she thought to invite me last minute because I was like sure <laughs> although I was exhausted um yeah just showed up and and got to know her better too so that's cool um so what did you think about the episode I liked that what we talked about with spirituality was like as basic as it can be. Like, this is what spirituality is. This is how you find spirituality. This is what spirituality means. And it literally is different for pretty much everybody. Um, and Andy was so sweet. Um, that was, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like she's one of us, like it's like kindred mm -hmm. spirits, you know, when you're kind of like mm -hmm. in the room talking uh, about a topic that you just all enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, she was such a light. And um, yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I had high hopes, but she definitely exceeded expectations. Um, she has a really interesting story. I mean, it's sort of that like corporate nine to five broke out and 
you know, found myself, but it's not just that story. Like she has so much to give, uh, back to people. Like she just wants everyone to find like their, their inner light and find something that brings them peace and gets them through the day in the most positive way. And I think that's what was cool is she was like, spirituality is really individual and it can be so many different things. And, um, I think she's also quite practical. Like she was able to break things down for us. Like you could actually consider this a practice of spirituality. You could actually incorporate this into your life. And um, so I think it's good. Yeah, like with journals and vision boards. With journals and vision boards. Yeah. And I think it's because she comes from that place of like a corporate background. So she knows that not everyone wakes up in the morning and is like, I'm going to do my... 10 sun salutations like she understands that this is a change that you make and it's like a commitment to doing something different and I think I just appreciated that she was like I appreciated that she just like made it more practical like you can go from your strict lifestyle to one that you appreciate more yeah yeah I think a lot of it was just like connecting with your inner wisdom like listening to that more because I think that's something that people really lose touch with is like as they get older it's you just like forget the point of like your inner voice and like your inner self and like the gut feelings and like the way that your heart races for certain things like we forget to listen to those inner like instincts and I think her the way that she talks about spirituality it's like basically just like getting in tune with yourself. And like, once you're in tune with yourself, you start to like your, like whatever the image of yourself is starts to expand outside of your body. It's like you find yourself with literally within you. And then once you've discovered that you find that you are in everything else, you are in the trees and the grass and the sky and, and everything, because like you feel that sense of connection. Um, which is very hard to learn without it sounding literally insane. <laughs> like if I were to describe this in the 1800s, they would put me in prison. Cause like, that sounds like legitimately insane. She's a witch. Yeah. Yeah. Like straight up burn you at the cross. But <laughs> like, I'm glad we live in a modern society where we could talk about these things and, and not be murdered for them. Um, <laughs> very, grim but that's, true. that's literally that's the reality of it right it's like it has such a dark history um but i think like be, it has such a dark history because people are so afraid of what they don't know and spirituality is so intangible it is like you don't know until you've allowed yourself to feel um and i really love that she laid that out like i also like that she laid out like you were saying like the practicality of it like what are ways that you can practice spirituality that are not going to scare people? <laughs> like that you don't have to like lay in the grass and like connect with the earth. Like, um, like connecting with yourself is, it is spirituality. So I, I just really appreciated that. And I like the tools that she, she shared like journaling and vision boarding. Cause I'm obviously a big vision boarder. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think her, the way she talked about journaling, I think I need to do more because I feel like that's like that was her key, right? That she was saying like journaling was basically like the yeah. like what opened the door for her for spirituality. And I think um, when she started to write her book out of that too, like transforming it from like personal to like a full practice of writing, I think was a big thing for her as well. And I think something that was cool 
um, for me as well was like how she talked about different spaces having like different impacts on energies yeah are energies yeah so like she like you said touching on like being in nature being one of them but also if you're just doing something at home to like increase your vibe make your space more conducive to that like take the time to make that space feel good like it's so simple it doesn't have to be like you have to paint the room like yeah place things in a way that make it feel good so yeah, so and like we said, it's like so like, individualistic. So helpful. Like not everybody is going to mm-hmm. going to feel in peace in the same space that you might feel peace in. Um, and it's like learning learning to listen to those like inner signals of like what what do you need, what feels best for you. And when you when you're listening to those, like that's when you're creating you're like the most sound space for your spiritual practice. So I think we're really lucky to have had her. Um, yeah, you really found uh, you got connected you know, with her too. The conversation. Yeah, she's she's pretty cool, and I think what's also neat is like her we we community is more than just like spirituality. It's all sorts of different tools and programs and learning experiences and travel opportunities that engage with the same idea and they're like she's the brainchild behind all of it but it's not just one thing she has so many options uh for anyone who's interested in joining the community and she has a podcast so if you're like this sounds great but I'm more of like an observer she has a podcast and I listen to it and I actually really like it so I think we're super lucky to have had such a diverse guest um and you know we hope you like this episode because you know we love this episode yeah yeah so enjoy this one you guys this is andy eaton with wee wee girl we are back and we have a super special guest with us today her name is andy eaton she is the founder and curator of we we she is a stole strategist consultant and wellness instructor um, she has a creative consulting business and a blog and she is the host of your woo woo bff podcast So after 10 years of uh, corporate life, uh, she decided that she really wanted to be the CEO of her own life. And so now, for a while now, she's been committed to meditation, studying the stars, manifestation, and of course, designing the life of her dreams. We are so excited to hear from her today and learn more from her. So welcome, Andy. Hello. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Katie. How are you? We are thrilled to have you on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming and for joining us today. We're really excited to learn more from you and hear more about what you do, um, learn more about your podcast, and hopefully kind of help us learn more about spirituality today. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about yourself and this kind of past life and and how and why you transitioned to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So I, as you said, I spent 10 plus years working in a corporate environment. I started in my, gosh, in my early 20s, I started working in the beauty industry and I absolutely loved what I was doing. I had an opportunity to work with an Ayurvedic beauty brand that is really well known and celebrated as being one of the first clean beauty brands. And I adored I adored what I was doing. And there was never a moment that I was like, no, this isn't really for me. So I had this really fortunate corporate experience of learning so much, having really great mentors and my bosses were were amazing. And so when I look back at that time, there was never a time where I was like, this job sucks. You know, it wasn't really ever like that. But there became moments along the way where I started to really wonder, is this what I want to be known for in my life? Is this the legacy I want to have? Is do I want to do I want to go to the grave being like, I was really the best marketing executive in beauty that there ever was like that. That was really kind of what I was thinking about as I was, you know, 10 ish years into my career with the company that I was working with. And so around 2014, I made the decision I was going to leave the company and I I gave a year's notice. It wasn't like I just kind of like up and left. I had a conversation with the woman who um, still is the the CEO of that company. And she was a, a great mentor to me. And I let her know that I had some sort of dream. I wasn't sure what that dream was. I was not, I had not been building out some sort of strategy or plan, but I knew that there was something more to what I wanted my life to look like. And that idea of being the CEO of my own life was starting to kind of creep in subtly to my mind that, you know, what if I really took control of my life in a new way and did something that was completely my own? And I definitely didn't know what that meant, but I let her know that I wanted to start working on a transition plan to leave the company. And so a year later, I did that. And when I first left, I I gave myself, I had saved a lot of money. I'd given myself time to make that leap safe for me or feel safe for me at least. And no matter no matter how much money you save, no matter what your kind of plan is, it is still incredibly scary to be making that decision that you're going to leave your job and you're not going to have a paycheck anymore, especially when you don't really know what you're going to do next, which was where I very much was. So I had the very fortunate experience. And this is when I started to kind of learn that my manifestation skills were pretty good. I had the very fortunate experience of having a friend of mine give me a place to live in Spain for for a summer. So he said, hey, my family's home is available. I, I was working on, I'll back up, I was working on a creative project. I was writing a book and, and that was kind of a personal project. He was like, what if you went and just, you've, you're quitting your job. This is a really great friend of mine. What if you went and just focused on your book and like allowed yourself some space to kind of think through what you're going to do next. I knew the book wasn't going to make me a bunch of money, but I I wanted some time to work on that and then to start brainstorming on what what my next moves were going to be. And so I took that opportunity to go. I had very basic college Spanish under my belt and I was going to be living in this little tiny town. It was not like I was going to be in Madrid or Barcelona where I could kind of get around with my, you know, very little Spanish, but I went for it. And so when I got there, this was kind of the big moment that made a big shift for me. I I arrived, I got to the house where I was going to be living, and the largest Buddhist temple in the West was 
literally my house where I was living was like in the shadow of this temple. It was right next door, really. So I was not anticipating that. I was not expecting that this was going to be kind of like my next teacher. But that's really what happened is I was like, okay, this is literally my neighbor, this temple. And what if I just explore what this is all about? And so that's where I really began to develop my meditation practice and find my way into an approach to spirituality that would be something that would be really uniquely my own. And so that that was really when that big transition transitional moment happened for me, moving out of the old life of being the corporate corporate executive into something that was very much a brand new door for me. That's so beautiful. That sounds like such, um, honestly, such like a, a smooth and thoughtful transition from one life to the next. And I don't know if everyone's so um, lucky and so careful in their planning. So what a, sure. what a nice story. Yeah. I mean, and um, it was still terribly scary. You know, it was still like, yeah. what the hell am I doing? I mean, a part of me moving was like, if I don't get out of town, I will go and take my job back because I will freak out and be like, what am I doing? And so I was like, if I leave the country, I can't take the job back. And I was also I broke up with a long term boyfriend. I like did a lot of like hard breaks in that moment was like, if I'm not in the country, I can't take those things back. So it feels it like telling the story. It's like, yeah, that was really smooth and nice. But it was a lot of like, okay, I'm kind of burning the house down, walking away. And now we're going to see what happens next. Out of curiosity, Andy, how old were you when this happened? So, okay, let me think. So I was, I was, mm, I was 35 when that happened. Yeah. I'm like, how old am I now? Yeah, wow, that's right. That's, yeah, I was 35. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I asked that because I feel like depending on kind of where you are in life, that transition could have been much harder. And I feel like the older you get, yeah. the harder that transition is. Yeah, I find a lot of the women that I get to work with that I'm you know, so lucky to work with now come to me and they're like, but I'm like 28. And if I do it now, am I like, is this is this crazy? Or or like, I'm 45. And like, is this crazy? And I'm like, you can do whatever you want at any age. It's really, it's really up to you. I, there's a woman in one of my programs, and she's 65. And she's been a nurse for three decades of her career. And she's like, I want to open a men's boutique. I went to fashion merchandising school when I was 22. And that was over 30 years ago. And now I want to open a men's boutique and not be a nurse anymore. Is that crazy? I'm like, it's your life. You know, you're going to go, it's going to be really difficult. It's not going to be and, you know, you've been doing this one thing for multiple decades of your life, and that's going to be really challenging. However, on the other side of working through those challenges, you're going to hopefully be so filled up or you're going to realize, OK, this was a thing I wanted to try and it's not really for me. And you can go back and do the thing that is for you if that's what you find. But, yeah, I, I, I definitely had I definitely had detractors. You know, my parents were very much like, what? You're like you're leaving. I was a VP. I was the VP of sales and marketing for this brand. And they're like, you have a 401k, you have a six figure salary, you own a house. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, and I didn't know what I was going to do next. So that, you know, they were like, what's the next job? I'm like, I don't know yet, but I'm going to, the only, the only possibility is that I either, I, there's two, I can figure it out or I don't. And I go back and I get another great job in the beauty industry. And that's how it goes. So that's kind of how Talk I had to go for it. Face. Yeah, it really it really was that. And I felt like I had I had to do it. And the, the really cool thing was 
that mentor of mine who was the CEO of the company, she was really supportive. She was like, you got to do it. You, you know, if this is what you're feeling called to, I'm, I want you to go for it. And she's still a mentor of mine. We're still incredibly close. And she, every moment along the way, she was like, looks like you're manifesting the life you want. Looks like you're doing it. And, and even in the moments where I was like, because of course I had some failures along the way. It's not like everything was super easy from that point forward. But she was like, this is how you learn. This is how you find the way. So that was really amazing to have that support of a woman who could see the possibility in me too. Yeah. Wow. That's such a cool story. Um, so I, I want to touch on uh, what you mentioned earlier about manifestation. You were like, I actually, you know, turned out to be really good at manifestation. How did you realize that you were manifesting? Did you know you were manifesting? Can you tell us that beginning experience that kind of triggered it all? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Okay. So when I got that opportunity to move into that house in Spain, that was one of these moments where I was like, ooh, something just happened here. So here's what had happened leading up to that. I had I had started making pretty serious lists about what I wanted to have happen next. And I was not considering that that was a manif- part of my manifestation practice. I had been studying The Secret since the book and the movie came out in like 2006. So I knew I was pretty good at the law of attraction. So like the things I knew I could do was like get a parking spot in a busy like neighborhood. I knew I could like do things like that from a manifestation standpoint. But it's like, okay, that's not super like, you know, it was like, is that real or am I just imagining it? All I know is like when I pull into a neighborhood where I need to get a parking spot, I turn on some sort of like parking juju, some sort of parking vibes, and I get a parking spot. So like, maybe I'm good at this law of attraction thing. And even back to my corporate days in 2006, when that book and the movie came out, The Secret, I while all the other teams in my company were like doing like really in-depth sales training, I was showing my team that movie in like one of our meetings and was like, if we just really all like work with this, what could happen in our in our team? So I was really committed to following some of that process. And there were parts of it that I was like, this doesn't really work for me. But there was parts of it that did work for me. Like the things that didn't work was the saying positive affirmations all all the time and trying to think positive all the time. I was like, this is really superstitious. We're all human beings. Nobody can think positive all the time. Like that, that, that did not really sit well with me because I really felt like you got to go through some dark to like find light. And that doesn't really, that, that's not really a part of what the law of attraction speaks to. So I was kind of like, I got to work through some of that. So when I started making these lists, I would start making lists of the things that I wanted and I would get really, really detailed. And then also some of the lessons I was learning, like the dark moments, like how I was finding my way out of dark moments into into higher vibrational emotional states that were better for me. So it was like this is where I was and this is a human human feeling and experience. And here's the the steps that I took to move out of that. So I was I was really kind of taking notes of a, of a lot of that. So the thing with the house went like this. So I was I had I did not well I'll back up even further. So this book project came up first. I had not written in my lists anywhere that I wanted to write a book, but I was starting to write about I had a little my, my blog was a little tiny blog at that time and it was certainly not focused on the topics that it's focused on now. But I was writing that I wanted my I wanted my work, my blog, my writing to have a larger audience, that I wanted to have some sort of ability to impact people. And I wanted to create some sort of movement. And so I was writing about that. And I was writing about that. I wanted to really explore the possibility to do that in a European 
city on the seaside. And I didn't know where that would be. But I was like, that's, I want to go and I want to live somewhere. I like kind of had this like romantic dream of like being a writer in a little town on the side of the sea, basically. And then my friend called and was like, hey, you want to go live in my family's house on the coast of the Mediterranean? And I was like, whoa, dude, like I've been writing about this. Like this is a thing I want to do. Then I got the call about this book project, which initially I thought they were just wanting me to contribute to the book. And at, after the first couple of conversations, they're like, we want you to, to write the book. This is a book we want you to write. So all of a sudden, I had this opportunity to write and live in this place that I had been journaling about. And I, that's really when I started to realize it's, this is bigger than the law of attraction. I am calling in exactly what I've envisioned for myself and maybe even something greater because I've been really open to how it flows. So I was starting then to identify that, yes, this is some sort of manifestation practice that is uniquely my own and has parts of the law of attraction. But I, I really felt like I had this open line of communication with the universe or source or God or whatever it is for you. I was like, I, I'm like tapped in and I'm like, I'm like asking for these opportunities and the universe is trusting that they'll be right for me. And, and they're, I'm, I'm being delivered a really great ability to explore this stuff. So that's kind of how it all started to come together where, where I was really having an awareness that of what I was doing. Would you say that you were always a spiritual person or that, or, you know, through that time you started to really hone in on that? I was, I was a witchy kid. I, I was very much a, a kid that like, I like, I saw things in trees and flowers and, you know, I, I could go sit outside and like spend time with nature and really feel deeply connected. Um, I didn't really identify that as spirituality. I, I did not grow up in a religious household at all. It was very much a kind of like find your own path. And we went to church sometimes, but it wasn't like, it certainly wasn't something that was kind of, you know, really expected. I like went through communion and went through confirmation, but it was like, feel free to do it if you really want to. And I, I got a lot of, out of those experiences in terms of, I loved the ritual of church. So that was interesting for me was that, that going to church that you would be reading specific things and you'd be, you'd be going through specific practices. And I liked that about that process, but I was like, I don't know if this is the exact philosophy for me, but I like the like commitment of like showing up for yourself and sitting down to do some reading and do, do some work around things that have higher purpose. So I had this kind of combination of being like a witchy kid who was like really, really nature, a nature loving kid, really connected in that way. And also really enjoying the ritual of spiritual practices, but I wasn't really sure what mine was. So I think that was very much always a part of who I was. But then like, you know, going to like college and like being in my 20s, I very much let all that stuff go. I was like very busy being like a college kid and very busy being like a young person in my 20s, like trying to like, you know, make enough money to like get really cool shoes and like have a have dinner at the best restaurants. I was not thinking about like my connection to nature and my spiritual practices. And so it was until I had that moment in my 30s where I like all of a sudden I'm like, hello, I'm literally in the shadow of this temple that I was like, oh, you're inviting me back into this conversation in a new way. And it was like living on the seaside too. So it was like these two things, like nature was right there. 
and like really speaking to me and this like return to some sort of ritual practice. And, you know, I wasn't do even going to the temple every day. I wasn't like necessarily dropping deeply into the Buddhist practices, but I was dropping deeply into the meditation practice and finding that the the ritual of that every day was really lighting me up. And so there was like this, probably this like, you know, gap of time from when I was a kid until I was much older when that really came back to me. So I think it was always there, but it was very much suppressed for a long, a long time. Um, so talk to me a little bit about meditation. Um, so I would like to know how you got into it. And I also would like to know what your process is like now. Yeah. Um, I know that meditation is something that is different for everyone. Everybody has a different a definition of what they define as their meditative process. So I'd love if you can explore that with us a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my first, my first real foray into meditation was at that time going into those um, daily, those do, daily Buddhist meditation practices. So I did that for I did that for years after that experience. That that was what I learned then and so it's what I really I really connected to pretty quickly. Since then, I um I'm I'm actually I've gone through Kundalini yoga teacher training. I've found my way kind of by accident into Kundalini and now my practice is I I practice Kundalini yoga meditations. And so um like my practice this morning was I did a I I for for 40 days right now I'm doing a really specific kundalini meditation that's about 16 minutes long. So, and I, I rotate through a lot of different kundalini meditations. And so right now the one I'm doing is a meditation for prosperity. It's actually called, it's called the Soba Kriya. So it's got like a funky name. It's called the Soba Kriya. And it is a meditation to invoke the wealth of the universe. So that's the one I'm doing presently. And it's got, it's what's, what I really love about Kundalini meditations is they're pretty active. So there's like, you're not just sitting in silence and kind of like working to like, kind of keep your mind in check, which I found in the meditation practice I was doing before I found my way into Kundalini was a lot of like, sitting in silence, perhaps focusing on a mantra, and really working to like, kind of keep the mind quiet. And I could do that. But it's it, there were there were times when I felt like I was dropping really deeply in. And there was a lot of times which I think kind of is a people have a misunderstanding about meditation that you're just going to like drop way in and it's going to be amazing. And you're going to come out of this and feel like, oh, I have all the clarity. Most of the time, you're just kind of like wrestling with your mind. Like that's pretty normal in a meditation practice. So for me, when I found my way into Kundalini meditation, there's the activity that goes on is there's like mudras that you're working with. So you're working with your hands or there's like breath work that you're like rotating through as you meditate. Or there's um, a variety of mantras that you might be saying in specific order. And most of the time, you're not, when you're first getting started, you're not going to have any idea what those, what, what's even happening because it's like a little bit funky. And like, there's mantras that you're like, I don't even know what this means. This is a Sanskrit word and I don't know what I'm chanting. But you start to find your way into it. I, I found that I fell in love with it really quickly because I was like, okay, it's it's a little bit like choreography. It's like you work your way through the mudras. You like learn what you're what the chants are, you learn the breathwork practices. And then 15 minutes later, you're like, okay, I feel really complete in what I just did in this practice. And while the one I'm doing right now is a 15 or 16 minute long meditation, there's Kundalini meditations that are like three minutes long. So even if you've only got three minutes in the morning, you know, you can pop out of bed and, you know, set the timer for three minutes, work through it. And you're like, OK, I got my meditation and I'm good to go. So that's one of the things I really like about it. And when I say that, I kind of stumbled my way into it years ago. I was 
it it was presented to me a couple of times. I was um I was doing a um I was in I was actually in uh Calgary, Canada. I was doing this is back when my blog had a bit more of a travel component. So I was doing like a a travel blogging thing for for uh Calgary, Canada and I was um blogging on this whole weekend wellness experience. I was doing all these different wellness activities with the guide that I they had set me up with. And she was a kundalini yoga teacher. So she was she was like, do you want to do, we're going to go out into the woods and we're going to do some kundalini. And are you cool with that? And I was like, I don't know what it is, but yeah, let's go do it. And so that was my first introduction. And I really, I really loved it, but I had no idea what was happening. So I kind of like walked away like that was weird. I don't know what it was, but I'm into weird. And if I find it again, if I find my way into it again, I'll, I'll, I'll be open to exploring it further. A, f- a little bit later, I signed up to take a class with a woman who was teaching. I, I literally just kind of came across her on Instagram. I did not know that she was a Kundalini yoga teacher. I had no idea what she really did, but she was teaching this class called, she was like, I'm, it's my 30 day art of radiance class. And I was like, Ooh, art of radiance. I want more radiance in my life. I'm going to take this class. I had no idea what I was signing up for. And it turned out to be a 30 day Kundalini meditation class. So every morning, 6am, the class we gathered for 30 minutes and we did Kundalini meditation. And that was the art of radiance. And after that, I was like, after 30 days, I was very hooked and was like, oh, I want to go get certified in this. I want to know everything about it. So that's my practice. And there's so many ways you can approach meditation, but that's what I personally really love. I think that's so cool that you, you know, you embraced weird. This is weird and I'm going for it. Totally. Um, Yeah. So on the note of like spirituality, is there anything else in your definition of spirituality that, you know, is outside of meditation? Like what else is spirituality to you? Yeah, I think spirituality is a really, it's a really personal thing. And I think for each of us, we kind of have to decide what that looks like. And for me, what it really means is that I have an understanding that there's something greater than me on this planet and that there's possibilities of things that I can't even with my human mind begin to imagine to be true. And so that is things, you know, that can really, that can look like a lot of things that can look like for some people that may look like your connection to your religion and to to God or whatever that might be for you. For others, that might be a deep connection to nature. For others, it might be a deep connection to the cosmos and space and the stars and the possibility of what might be out there in that way. For others, it could be um, the possibility of multiple timelines that we're living on and past and future existences. And I think I think spirituality encompasses all of that. It's whatever gives you the the ability to feel that there's something greater than you and that there's something worth living a really great life for and that there's a a higher purpose in what you're doing with your human existence every day. So for me, that's really what spirituality looks like. And so when you think about like, how do you practice that? It can look like so many different things. And so for me, there's spirituality and movement and exercise and like the the time that I get to spend with my body in that way. There's spirituality and of course, meditation and breath work. There's spirituality in my connection to my journal and writing and creativity. And for others, that might be a connection to music or to art or painting or, or however they feel called to express whatever's kind of like coming through them. My partner's a um, a musician. He's a he's a piano player first and foremost. And, you know, when I hear him 
like download a song from the ether and just like begin to play. I'm like, that is spirituality right there because something just happened and you somehow like brought something to this planet that's greater than you that you were able to play on the piano that you'd never heard before. So like, that's really, really freaking cool. So to me, there's spirituality in that. And for others, it might be how they how they make food, you know, how they express through nurturing other people. So I think there's so many ways to consider it, but it's ultimately about that having a connection and an awareness that there's a higher purpose and something greater than us at work and at play in our, in our sweet little human lives. Yeah. I think that, um, that's a beautiful summary and uh, that really hits home because I think, um, for myself, um, you know, I, I have this nine to five job, I have this podcast and then, um, my side hustle is painting. And so when you say that, it really hits home, you know, there is some spirituality in spending all that time alone and bringing something that's in inside me out and expressing that on the the page with the paper. And, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people say that to me. And I don't know if I realize that myself, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things in spending all those years working in the beauty industry that I did, and I think one of the things that made me really great at my job was I loved working with the creative people. So like working with the makeup artists, working with hairdressers, working with fashion designers who were like helping to bring campaigns to life. All of those people were like my people. And I could see such, I could just see such power in what they could bring into a room when they allowed their creativity to flow through them. So that was probably while I was kind of suppressing this idea of like being a spiritual person, those were really spiritual moments for me to be able to be in rooms with people like that. And I I really think that as a corporate executive in those rooms, sometimes it was like, oh, great, like the the girl from corporates here. But for me, people didn't really treat me that way because I really tuned in and, and got what they were what they were doing and felt really connected to that and wanted to be a part of that experience with them and not just show up from a place of like, is this photo shoot that you're doing right now, is this going to sell more shampoo? It was really more about like, how are you bringing to life the story of whatever's coming through you in a way that uh, when you all come together, the collaborative output makes something really beautiful. So that was probably a part of my like earlier introduction to spirituality as a creative endeavor that I didn't even really know I was kind of connecting into. And most certainly now I found that over, over time, creative people are my people in such a big way. And it's because I really believe that there's such a spiritual moment that happens when you're able to express through creativity. So I kind of want to touch on a little bit of um, some things that we mentioned kind of in your, your intro. Um, so we briefly touched on past life. So can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on past life? Um, Yeah, I don't I don't I kind of want to leave that open ended. Yeah, I mean, okay. so there was a there's a book that I read probably. I mean, it's been probably 10 or 15 years. It's been it's been a long time, maybe 12 years, 12 years ago. Now we'll go with that. It was about 12 years ago. It's called Many Lives, Many Masters. And it's um. I was at a I was at a music festival with like five of my best friends. And one of my best friends was dating this woman who was really she was so cool. She was so interesting. She was like a former pop star in like another country and kind of like, you know, kind of found her way into this friend group by she was dating this guy. And she, she, we all just were like, she's way too cool for us. Like, how how did we get so lucky to like spend time with this woman? So she was amazing. 
we were at the music festival. We're all kind of like sitting in a circle being like, you know, music festival people. And she she's like, you guys all have she's like looking at us. She's like, you guys all have a past life connection. And we all kind of were like, yeah, that feels right. Like she's like, I just see you sitting here and you guys have probably all sat in a circle like this and like been friends like this for many lifetimes. And we were all like, that's really sweet. She's like, um, I'm giving you all a book club assignment. You need to go read this book. And so we did it. It was, you know, it was like a couple of my guy friends and a couple of girlfriends. So we're all like, yeah, sure. Well, OK, we'll we'll do it. Like we 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 thought she was cool enough that we were like, whatever she says, we're going to we're going to do what she says. So I read the book, Many Lives, Many Masters. Um, the author is Dr. Brian Weiss. And it really just affirmed for me something I think I already probably very much believed, which is that I think that we do have many incarnations of the human experience and we likely are a soul that travels many times over through the human experience and with an with a mission and an intention each time of learning and discovering more and that's kind of the that's kind of the story of the book so in the, in the book um Dr. Brian Weiss is uh he he's a psychologist and worked for a major university and was not intending to discover this kind of past life story that he discovered, but he would he was finding in some of the work that he was doing with patients that there were things happening. And I don't want to give too much of it away, but there were things happening in sessions that led to this idea that the patients he was working with were under hypnosis, telling stories of past experiences that weren't possible for this lifetime. So that was my first kind of affirmation that something I think I already kind of just naturally knew was very possible. And so um, my feeling now and what I truly believe is that we that is that is what happens is we have an opportunity as souls to travel from human experience to human experience. And we incarnate for a reason and we incarnate to learn lessons. And it's not always going to be it's not always going to be lovely and the lessons can be really, really hard sometimes. And you're going to have other experiences in which the lessons are going to be um, shared in a more easy way. And you're, I think one of the beautiful things is going back to that moment with my friends at the music festival is that then you find this like soul pack, this like, you know, I don't think that there's one soulmate that you're, you're like looking to find. It's like, you've got a pack of people, you have the soul pack of people. And sometimes they may show up as your best friend that you're sitting with at a music festival. And sometimes they may show up as like your family unit. And sometimes they may show up as your husband or wife or sister or brother. There's a lot of ways it could happen. Um, But that ultimately we're all we're seeking out that soul pack to like reconnect with them each time because we've agreed to travel through these human experiences together. So that's also kind of weird, but that's what I believe to be true. Uh, I don't think that's weird. I think that's beautiful. Honestly, cool. Cool. (laughs) Um, I like that you're into it. Yeah. Um, so what, a lot of what I'm hearing from you, uh, at least like the way that you feel and define spirituality is it's like it's not about the individual. It's about the collective. So everything that you individually do through spirituality is still about the collective. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think we each have an opportunity to make an impact. And one of the things that I talk a lot about in my manifestation courses because I have women that come in and they're like, I want to manifest like a really big house and I want to manifest like the really great purse. But like, I'm, am I allowed to say that? Is that acceptable to say? Like, is it okay? Is, or is that like spiritually wrong? And my feeling is this, if what you are doing, if the, if what you are showing up to do is good for the greater collective, 
than feeling rewarded because you love a really great designer bag or feeling like if you have a really comfortable place to live and a house that really makes you feel amazing because it's got all the things that you need to be your best self, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. As long as your intention is to support the greater collective and that and, and that what you're up to is, is all about greater good. And if that's the case, then, you know, by all means, like manifest the boat in the house and whatever is going to make your life more joyful so that you can be the best version of you when you show up to do the work that you do in the world. So that's that is very much how I feel about what each of our missions are is there's, you know, whether you're whether you're a person working in business or you're an, you know, an actor or a singer or you're someone who's a teacher or whatever it may be, all of those, all of those chosen roles have the the possibility of making a really great impact on the collective. And so it's like follow whatever you're really drawn to and do it because of the potential of the great impact that you can make on the collective. So very much so. That's how I feel about that. just kind of talking a bit about how uh, this discussion about spirituality and manifesting um, like the life that you really want is something that hits home for me because um, in my last year in Canada, we talked a bit about this on one of the previous episodes, but I was working at a job that was incredibly soul-sucking. It was, yeah, it was emotionally a, a poor place for me. I wasn't Uh, I wouldn't even say I was necessarily like not in the right place for my career. It was not a good place for me in my career. It was not a good place for me emotionally. Um, Of course, then COVID hit and uh, yeah, anxiety, depression were at an all time max. Um, In that year, I started to reach towards like health and wellness. So this was a very practical way to get myself out of like a, a, a big hole, um, started getting some counseling, started doing like uh, this macros diet and this um, workout regime. I, I lost a lot of weight and started feeling a little bit better physically. And that's when I noticed like, hey, there is more to life. I do not want to to be doing this job nine to five every day. I want to be surrounded by people who are um, a higher vibration. I, I learned from my introspection and I, I, I don't mind like my nine to five job. I work in healthcare and uh, I, I think I wanted to keep that at least for a few more years. So I started, yeah, making mental notes. Like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to be? And uh, my partner and I decided like we were going to move somewhere hot. We were going to move somewhere with a, a bigger energy. We were going to be, um, you know, in LA, we actually, I think we agreed without even having to talk about it, that it was definitely LA that we wanted to move to. And so over, I think all of 2020, we worked to make the steps to be able to move. And let me tell you, moving across uh, international borders during COVID was a real challenge. Um, Quitting that job was a challenge and getting a job here was also a challenge because Canadians aren't, um, it's not that we're not desired, but it's harder because, you know, there's all this paperwork. And so finally, yeah, in uh, last year in February, 
uh, we moved and it took about four months to get my my main job. And then um, over the last year, I've just been finally getting those creative things back in place. And the podcast was one of them. So it's been really exciting, like hearing your journey, because I'm definitely aligning with a lot of that. And I think I'm just at the beginning, like the baby steps of, of what I want out of life. And um, it's just really powerful knowing that um, all of this is possible. And, you know, we're all so capable and we've all done these things, you know, we've all done something like that in our lives. And maybe we just haven't recognized it and we're just starting our journey. So I guess I, I'm just having a nice time kind of hearing this and, and yeah. So, um, but I guess that's a good transition to kind of get into more of our like Q and A and ask you some questions, burning questions that we've been having just in general. Um, I, I've been listening to a couple of your podcast episodes, maybe a couple of the more recent ones. So I have some questions based around that. Um, yeah. Um, so one of the things that we talked about on a recent episode was goal setting trends in 2022. And I think this ties in a little bit to what you were talking about recently in one of your episodes. Um, but maybe you can have uh, a word on what we were chatting about in terms of goal-based habits versus identity-based habits. So the idea of kind of like what you said, people coming to you, they want to manifest a big house. They want to manifest a designer bag. Maybe these are like goal-based habits, things that people want, things that people want to achieve versus setting um, goals that are more like, I would like to be a more spiritual person. I would like to be in a calmer place in my life. Like, what are your thoughts on these styles of goals for 2022? Yeah. So interesting. So my my process, and it's what I use personally, and I teach this in some of the courses and some of the coaching um, group coaching experiences that I offer, is we look at we look at goals this way. So we we basically map it out. We map it out by starting with the vision on one side. So I know you guys can can see me. I'm like holding my hands up. So it's like you've got the vision on one side, and then you have the dream on the other end. So if you kind of like look at this as like the two the two parts of the spectrum. You've got a vision and you've got a dream. And then along the way, there's these little milestones or big milestones. They don't have to be little. There's these like milestones or signposts and that's the goals along the way. So when you think about what, how to set those goals or how to work those goals, this is what, how I like to, how I like to think about it. The vision is something that is inevitably always within you. It's something that you probably always held. So like in that example of, I want to be a more spiritual person, you probably always from the time that you were like old enough to really like kind of have some like really conscious thoughts, had some sort of connection to spirituality in that example. And so you want to, you want to call back to that. You want to draw back on that. So that vision was always there and perhaps it was suppressed or perhaps you lost it, but you want to, you want to reconnect to a vision that is innately a part of who you are. And then the dream is a bit more tangible. So it's like when you're defining the dream, it's like, I'll know that I've reconnected to that vision because I will have achieved X, whatever it may be. So maybe in that example, it's like, I'll know that I'm, I have become a more spiritual person because I will have developed a meditation and journaling practice, or I will have, you know, joined some sort of community of women who are also practicing these things and found the exact right community. So you'll know that like the dream is, 
is that, or it could be even bigger and greater than that. It's like, I'll know that I've achieved this, this vision of becoming a more spiritual person because I will, I will be invited into experiences and, and communities or to speak or whatever it might be around topics that are really related to that. Then in between that is where you have the opportunity to set the goals. So the goals then would be, I'm going to sign up for meditation class. I'm going to join a women's community of spirit-led women. I'm going to begin my every day with, you know, 30 minutes of journaling or writing morning pages or whatever it might be. I'm going to listen to affirmations, you know, whatever it is that works for you or, you know, mantra music, whatever, it, whatever it is along the way. So you start to set these goals. And what I like about this process is that if you don't hit one of the goals, it's not like you failed. It's like, okay, this just isn't the right signpost for me, or this isn't the right milestone for me. And I need to like remap myself. It's like, I just need to like, plug into like the personal GPS, a new direction and set new goals. And so I I find that to be a really gentle way of like working, working on a, on a big plan for yourself, because it's like, you're doing something that's innately in you already and that you're just wanting to express more deeply. And that could be anything. So if it's like health, like you're working on your health and you want to, you want to just feel better in your body for this year. So it's like, the goals are going to be how you're going to get there. But the ultimate dream is that you're just going to feel more of who you, more into who you are and feel more expressive as, as a human being. And the vision is that you always were a health, a healthy and well person. You just maybe have lost some of that along the way. So that that's, there's a little bit of both of that, the, the identity and the goal practice within that kind of framework, but that, that I find works really well for me. And I find that when I work with people on that sort of process, it's, um, it's a pretty graceful process too. It's like, you're not really, if you miss something along the way, there's no beating yourself up. It's just re rewriting the directions to get there. That's so practical. I love that. Um, I love anything in this kind of realm that is practical, honestly. Yeah. Um, so kind of in that same vein, can you teach us or tell us some practical ways that people um, can manifest their dream life? Yeah, sure. So my process now, I have an eight-step process. And actually, I've got a free guide on my website. And it's it's like got journal prompts and it's got it's got all the eight steps, of course. But it's <clears throat> it's a it's a really nice it's a really nice flow to help you to get into the practice. And it starts with doing some work around facing limiting beliefs and really kind of working on what are the reasons that I don't believe that I could have the things that I would really like to call in. So you start there, then you work through the list writing process, which is one of the things I talked about with manifesting that opportunity to go and live in Spain. So list writing is a part of it, working on some some of the vibrational frequency stuff, but it's not like, oh, you have to be in high vibrations. It's not like high vibes only. It's like, just start to recognize when when are you in a lower emotional vibrational state? Like when are you feeling sadness or frustration or, um, you know, anger, when are you feeling those things and, and kind of what was going on for you in those moments and then working to move into higher vibrational emotions like joy and compassion and empathy in a more frequent sort of um, flow. So there's some work around that. There's some work around creating space. I think one of the big, one of the big practices and manifestation to help you to call in what you want more quickly is to make space for the things that you want. And a, an easy example of that, well, I'll give you like two really short examples of that. So if like you're calling in a relationship, 
but you're like really busy all the time, like DMing with your ex. It's like you don't have space for in your heart or like even in your DMs for like the new person to show up because you're like so like full of like this other person's energy. So you got to make the space and like clear that out before you can really call in the relationship that you want. So that'd be one example. Or if you're just like working on calling in like new work projects, maybe you're a freelancer and you want more like more interesting creative projects, but like your desk is like piled up with like a lot of old shit that you've been working on. And like there's no space for new projects to find their way to you. That would be another example of that. Or even like your wallet, like if your wallet's full of like dry cleaning receipts, but you want to call in money, like get the old junk out of your wallet. So like, you know, the the nice, like shiny money can find its way into the wallet. So I love the practice of like creating space for like the good stuff to find its way in. And then within the process, there's also then really learning to tune into your intuition, listen to listen to that inner voice. And you can call it kind of whatever you want, like following your spirit guides or like listening to the downloads or the pings or the hunches. It's really about just starting to trust your intuition. So in my eight step process, we work through all of that. And you can kind of take like anything you want to call in through those eight steps and really like find your way into into how it best works for you using using the steps. I think that's really interesting. And again, really practical. Um, Now, you said space, creating space. What about physical space? What about like designing a physical space or putting yourself in a physical space that is um, conducive to these experiences? Like, can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I very much believe that in order to really call in the things that are on your manifestation list or the things that would really light you up in a brand new way, that you've got to consider all of that, the physical space that you're living in. And it doesn't mean like you may be in an apartment right now that's like, this is the apartment I can afford and this is like what it has to be. And it's not exactly what I want, but it's like what I'm in in today. So do everything you can in that apartment to make it the most conducive space for you to be in your in your best in your best self and so that may mean that like you've got to like set set it up in a way that even though it's not your perfect environment right now you're going to make it feel the best that it absolutely can for you in this moment so that's one thing and then get out get outside and like create additional space just in your life to like find find connection find those guides connect to intuition so if you're like not love in your apartment, go find places like an art museum or nature, a hike or whatever it may be that's like taking you a bit closer to that conversation with the universe because you do really love being in that environment. And so it's all a practice. It's like, you know, we the the house I'm living in now, I very much, we, we manifest, manifested this house like through and through. I absolutely love it. I actually have an episode on my podcast around how we called in this house and when I was thinking about what I needed in this space, it was like I wanted to have a garden. I wanted to have a big yard. I wanted to have I wanted it to feel retreat like we have like this joke that we have a we have like a big hot tub on the deck in our backyard on my list. I had written like for me to feel like really nurtured and taken care of. I wanted a really big tub. I was talking about a bathtub when I was like writing this on my like list of what my house had to have. And so when I saw this house, I was like, oh, the universe has jokes. Like this isn't a bathtub that I'm going to have. I'm going to have like this like big hot tub in my backyard that's like completely lovely. And that's how I'm going to nurture myself. So it's kind of like, oh, the universe is answering in a really funny way. But I was really thinking about like, what are the things that I had to have? Ben being a musician, we needed to have space for him to have a studio within our 
within our home somewhere and we have a, a building on a, on at our house that's a two-car garage that was converted and it was a music studio before we for the per- people who lived here before so he was able to like come right in and like set up his own studio and we wanted all of this at a specific price point and we wanted it in LA so it was like how are we going to even find these we want a garden and a studio and a, you know all of this in a city that doesn't really offer this unless you're making like you know, a commitment to spend like a million dollars a month on your house. So, you know, we we had to really think through and believe that it could be possible for us to have this sort of space. And the space we were in before when we moved to LA, there were there was all sorts of things we loved about it when we moved into our where we lived before. And then it would have been perfect had it not been COVID times, but it was not perfect for us when it was COVID times because we were like in a this space that really didn't allow for a musician and a you know and me to be working from home, which was you know not what we were expecting. So there was a lot of moments in that that the space wasn't perfect for us, but we really worked to like think about okay, what's going to be right for us next, and how are we going to get there? And we're going to put in a lot of inspired action plans to make the next place for us happen in the way we want it to happen. So there's a lot of ways you can think about working with space, whether it be, like I said, like getting outside in nature or going to an art museum or just turning the space that you're in into something that feels really great and then starting to envision what you really want next as you uplevel your life. I would like to touch on vision boards and journaling because we mentioned those previously. Um, So those seem like really great tools for manifestation. Um, Are there other tools that you would recommend people at least for getting started or just some like really powerful tools you've seen transform people's lives? Yeah, no, I think those are great, really great tools. I mean, I, I I love a vision board. I I work with vision boards in a couple of ways. Personally, I I create one for the year that it kind of lives on my on my desktop. So I'm seeing it. I again, it's like very practical. I'm seeing it every day. So it's like a reminder every day of what it is that I'm I'm like aspiring to in my life. And then I I create one on for my phone every month. So I do a new one on my phone every month. My personal practice is to do it on the new moon. So it's like every month on the new moon, I create a new a new little phone screen vision board. What I love about that is we all touch our phones a freaking bajillion times a day. So we're then like, we're like putting into our subconscious this vision multiple, multiple times a day. We're like reminding ourselves multiple times a day of what we're aspiring to. So I love that practice. And I mean, you, you don't have to do it every month, but I think it's a nice practice to just reconsider every month. Okay, what is what is it that I'm calling in? What What is it that I want my my life to bring to me this month ahead? And so like in the summertime, my vision board had things like a lot of like pictures of the ocean and then, you know, things that I wanted to do with my business. So like pictures of of money that I wanted to call in from courses that I was launching back in the summer. I was, you know, wanting to take some surf lessons. So I had like a girl on a surfboard. So it's like, it can, it can be really fun. It doesn't have to be super lofty and like, you know, it doesn't have to be the dream house and like the partnership and the, all of the things every single month, month, it can be the things that are, are these signposts, these, go- these goals that you've set for the month ahead. So it can be something that really feels attainable for you each month. And I think that that's a really fun way of doing it. Definitely the journal work I think is really important and you can do journals, journaling so many ways, you know, you can do morning pages, I love there's a really simple practice that I have that I really love. And it's just um, I just call it my self-love journal. And it's I keep it on my beds, my, you know, on my nightstand by my bed. And when I go to get in bed at night, I just flip into the page for the day. It's basically like a, it's like a calendar. Really, it's not even a journal. It's a calendar. And on that day, I just write 
something that I did to, to love myself that day. And so it's a reminder that every day I need to do something to take care of myself, something to love myself. And I think that practice of self-love and gratitude for self is a great, is, an, is a really nice entry into manifestation too. Just reminding yourself of your why you're worth it and what you're grateful for in that day. So, and that takes like literally two minutes. You know, sometimes I climb in bed and I'm like ready to have my head hit the pillow. So it's like today I did my yoga practice and my meditation, and I did uh, I made a really great warm tea before I went to bed, and it was delicious. And those are ways I loved myself today. The end. And that's it. So you know, whatever way wor- really works for you. But those are some things that I really like to do. That sounds um, like easy enough. Like anyone yeah. could intro that into their life and get going on it. Yeah. Um, I was wondering a little bit about like, you talked about this on one of your episodes, uh, manifestation and social media. So the three, six, nine manifestation technique, is this total bunk or is there something there? <laughs> yeah, we did talk about this. So we had an episode in which we talked about um, manifestation trends on TikTok. I'm personally not on TikTok, so I don't get to see a lot of this stuff. But um, Samantha, who works on my team with me, she she is like the TikTok, you know, she knows what's going on on TikTok. So she was like going through all of these trends that she was seeing. So I mean, here's the thing. I think I think that if you're if you're manifestation is coming from a place of superstition where you believe like I can only call this thing in because I follow this like three, six, nine, where it's like, I think the way it works is like, you got to do the, you got to like say the affirmation three times and then six times and then nine times at like 3am or 6am and something like that. I think it's like along those sorts of lines. And like, if you do that, then you can call in what you want. So my feeling is this, if you believe that that is the only way it's going to happen for you, if you're like incredibly superstitious, I don't think that there's any superstition and manifestation. I don't think that the universe or source or whatever it might be is like, if you skip 3 a.m. three times of writing the affirmation, you get nothing. Like, I just don't believe that that's true, that that's that that is even possible. I don't think that there's anyone like there's there's no like guy in the sky that's like, you know, tallying up if you did the thing three times or six times or nine times. And once you did, now you're going to get the thing. So I, I don't I don't necessarily love it, love that that sort of thing in that way. What I do think works in that, however, if you release the superstition around it and you consider it to be more of a ritual practice where it's like, I'm going to make a commitment to myself to show up and like write my affirmations or I'm going to make a commitment to really like think about how I can raise my vibrational frequency by radiating more love and compassion and empathy. And I'm going to do that at these particular times of day because that's how I'm going to hold myself accountable. Then I'm all here for it. So that's kind of my that's my feeling on practices like that. Now, talk to me a little bit about affirmations, because a little while ago, you were telling us that you had an icky feeling about positive affirmations. So is there an alternative? Do you feel like affirmations have their place? And what place is that? Yeah, I definitely think they do have their place. And it's very much back to the superstition conversation. If you feel like you have to say the affirmations or write the affirmations, and that that is the only way that you're going to get whatever it is that you're working to call in. And like back to the law of attraction, if it's like I'm, I have to think positive all the time and I have to like say these positive affirmations and I have to never have something negative roll through my mind, I don't think I don't just don't think that's good for us to feel to feel to feel that way. Like we're we're humans and we're going through a really, really rough time on the planet right now. So to like think like what I don't want to do is like ever is 
like love and light our way out of things and not face the realities of like what is going on on the planet. So we got to like deal with the darkness. We need to deal with like injustice. We need to deal with things that that have not supported us as as a collective and as human beings. And there's a lot of darkness in that. So if we're only staying in the place of like, I only say positive affirmations and I only think think this particular way and I don't address and deal with those things, that doesn't really work for me and that doesn't sit well with me. Now, if you're working through those things and you're facing like the realities of what isn't good for the collective and what isn't good for you and things that you need to work through and you spend time in that, and the positive affirmations help you to reframe, I'm all for it. So I think that's that's where I think positive affirmations can be really good. And in some of my courses, we use them. Like in one of my courses, we have a new mantra or affirmation that we work with each week. And it's the same every time in the course. So like the first week, it's I am bountiful. I am blissful. I am beautiful. I am bountiful. I am blissful. I am beautiful. And it's a really great reminder of you have abundance, you are bountiful, you can be someone who calls in whatever it is you want, you can have bliss and peace and calm. And you are beautiful because we all are. So it's a really, it's a really lovely mantra and a really great practice to remind ourselves of that. But you got to be doing the other work also to have that really be the most impactful it can be. So that's my feeling about about working with affirmations. Now, the your story has been so interesting, and this whole time I've kind of been wondering if we could go a little bit deeper on that, um, just a tad, um, because you're clearly very successful um, in what you do, and you've clearly created like your dream life, but that didn't come from not working and not putting the work in. So can you touch sure. on some of the most important moves that you made um, after leaving your corporate job that brought you to where you are now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it, it's so true. I One of the things that is within my eight-step manifestation process is the idea of taking action. You you have to take action for things that you want to come come true, for you to have the life that you want. You, you know, you can't just like, okay, I've written the list. My vibration is high. I'm feeling really good. I've like faced my limiting beliefs. Now I'm going to sit back and like watch Netflix and like, you know, eat Girl Scout cookies and like things are all going to like come into place for me. Like that's that's not how it's just not reality. We have to put in the work in order to have the things that we want find their way to us. And so for me, those big steps were there was a lot of like stepping, stepping through the fear, you know, jumping, jumping into the fire when things were really questionable. And, you know, we talked about I was I was 35. So there was like times where I was like, OK, is this really crazy that I'm making making moves like this at this point in my career and in my in my life? But I was really willing. I think this was it. I was really willing to fail. I was really willing to try things out and see if they worked or not. And I had those experiences. When I when I got back from Spain that summer or that fall, the end of the year, I had opened a I had been running a um before I before, yeah, before I talk about the business that I'd opened, I'd been running a fashion incubator as a like passion project that I had been running while I was still in my corporate job in New Orleans, which is where I'm, I'm where I was living. And I had started that fashion incubator because I saw after Hurricane Katrina, which was really devastating for the city of New Orleans, I saw all these really amazing artists and creative people wanting to kind of rebuild or 
start to build a career and want to stay and live in New Orleans. And there's this really interesting kind of creative dynamic going on right after the hurricane of people that were like really committed to being there. So there were people that like didn't want to have to move to New York or didn't want to have to move to LA. And I wanted them to have a place to be together, show their work, have the ability to find their way to market and have a successful, at least a, su a successful attempt at having a career in fashion. So and I, I was working in the beauty industry. I had a lot of those sorts of connections. So I'd started this incubator. And so I was running that. I wasn't making any money personally doing it, but it was really, it was very much a passion project and something that was really personal to me. So I came back from Spain and I decided I was going to open this shop that I was going to sell the work of all of these artists that were in the incubator. So it was like, I'm going to have, you know, now this is going to be a place where I will, I will like work here. I'll be here every day. I'll curate the collections. And like a year into it, not even maybe even less than that, it was like, I do not want to be in a shop every day. Like, what the heck am I doing? Like, there was like all this really beautiful intention of wanting to be a support to these creatives that I loved so much. And I could have I could have like really pushed through that and kept working on trying to make it work for me. But I was like, this is not it for me. So you know, I could look at that and be like, that was a pretty serious failure. I put a lot of money into like setting up the space and opening this business. And right, almost right away, I was like, nope, wrong. This is really wrong for me. This is not this is not the next thing. So I think that that's something you got to get really okay with is exploring and taking big risks, you know, and, and on to some level and then being willing to fail when something doesn't work. But being willing to jump right back in and go again and try again to see what is going to be the thing for you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Just um, not necessarily not having a fear of failure, but not having an avoidance of failure. And I think that's yeah. something a lot of people um, struggle with because failure is extremely uncomfortable and it's expensive yeah. and it's time consuming. Um, yeah. And we have egos, you, so it feels terrible <laughs> when, when yeah. we fail. It's like, it's like you know, you have to like sit with like, oh, do I totally suck? Is that what's happening here? Am, it, am I just like, is this just not for, am I not meant for success? Is that not who I am? But we, we can't, we can't beat ourselves up when we put ourselves in risky situations because you're, you're going to find that sometimes the risks have beautiful benefits and rewards, of course, and then other times you're going to learn a whole lot more about the next direction for you to go while working through why the risk did not pay off. So that was something that still happened kind of early days. Um, when did you decide to create the We We uh, community? Like when did that come together? Yeah, so the blog itself, I had started the blog initially in 2012. So it was uh, under a different name back then, but I'd started it in 2012. And back then it was very different than what it looks like today. It was um, it was really a place for those artists that I was working with in New Orleans back, back then, all those many years ago, to have a platform. So I was like writing a lot of stories about what they were doing in their studios and like the shows they were having and their collections. So it was really a kind of a just very small niche regional blog about what was happening in my own community. So that's what I was doing then. Then I made that move to Spain that summer and was like, oh, this is I'm going to have to if I want to keep this blog going, 
which at that time, the readership was so small, but it was like a passion thing for me. And I was like, of course, I have to keep it going. Like, I love I love showing up and writing on this platform every day. And I mentioned that I was like manifesting this, like having creating a movement and like having an impact. And in my mind at that time, it was like with these artists that I was working with, like that's all I was thinking about then. So I'm like moving to Spain and I'm like, I don't really know how I'm going to like continue to tell these stories. I'm not even going to be there. It's like I can't I can't really like firsthand speak about what they're up to. And but much of it was still very much a a journal for me. So I was like, well, I'm just going to kind of like explain to this like small audience that I have that like, hey, I'm going to be traveling for the summer and I'm going to be gone for however long it's going to be. And I'll take you with me on this journey that summer. The so I was solo traveling for those. I was it ended up being four or five months that I was I was in Spain. I was solo traveling the whole time. And all of a sudden I started to find that I was writing about these solo travel experiences. And all of a sudden my audience grew and changed. It was went from having this, I went from having this audience of like local people reading about local fashion stories to women interested in solo travel experiences. So still wasn't huge, but it was like, I was like, oh, I just kind of grew this thing unexpectedly. And that was, that's different. Okay. So now I have a, a community that's interested in this new thing. And I was also telling stories about going to the Buddhist temple and like meditating on the ocean side and doing long road trips that I had no idea where I was going. So I was like writing about a lot of those things. And coming back from that experience, I really started to think about what if I actually treated this blog as a business and I really got clear on what sort of impact I do want to make and what sort of community I do want to reach because this new solo travel community I was reaching, I was really excited about. I was still really interested and excited about the creativity process that I had been a part of before that. And so it was, it, it still took two years of really like thinking through what I wanted the, the new version of We We to be about. But over those two years, I spent a lot of time, I was starting to get jobs, like travel blogging jobs. I was like, okay, now I'm getting paid for this. This is really interesting. Like, wasn't expecting this. And along the way, I really started to think about, but what sort of travel blogging do I want to do? What sort of writing about travel experiences does feel right for me? And as that grew, then I started to shift more into the wellness experiences, the mystical experiences. And I found over time over those two years, that that was the content that was really growing on the blog. So if I was traveling, that was great and wonderful and I'd get readers. But if I was writing about a full moon ritual, I was getting way more readers. It was like starting to rank on Google sometimes. So it, it I really kind of found my way into it very much on accident. I knew I wanted to make an impact. I knew I wanted it to include experiential travel in some way, mystical wellness. Creativity was still really important to me. And, it, you know, it was like five years later, I started to really hone in on what I wanted the community to be about. So when I'm working with women who are starting new projects, so, you know, I was now like approaching my late 30s and I'm like, can I, can I have a blog in my late 30s that actually is going to be successful? So when I'm working with women now that's like considering, can I launch a business or a creative project from scratch, you know? after leaving a corporate career, you know, for me, it, 
it's always a yes. And you, if you're willing to put in the time and the work and really hone in on what it is that's going to be your thing, then absolutely you can. And I, when I look back, like, did I need five years to do that? Definitely not. But for me, I needed, I needed those five years to figure it out. Would I say that like it takes five years? No. But for me, I needed that time to, to sort it out, to, to land on what I eventually landed on and what we do with WeWe today. And how did you choose the name? So the name, so, okay, so for anyone who's listening and is like, how does, what is she saying exactly? How do you spell this? So it's we, we, O-U-I, like the French word, and then we, like you and me. So the name really came from my, my very first big trip ever in my life was to Paris. My dad, my dad worked part-time in France for most of my, like, young life. So I had this opportunity to go to Paris when I was pretty young and spend time with my dad. And, and it just was always a moment that was like, when when I had this awareness of how, how big the world was, like how much more there was to life than what I knew in my like little suburban town that I grew up in. So that moment of like, yes, that this, like, there's a big world out there was something that had always resonated with me. So I chose the word we for that reason, like a reminder of like the bigness of the world and saying yes to, to what's out there. And then we, it's just W E community of, of people coming together. So collective of people is a, we, so it was, we, we, so yes. And us, yes. The collective was what we, we was intended to mean way back in the day when I was first starting it. And it still really resonates today. I think it's perfect. Thank you. Um, so I'm wondering a little bit more about the podcast and then, you know, when did that get started and how was that part of the plan? Yeah. So the podcast, I had been thinking about doing the podcast for quite a few years, actually, from like 2018. I was like, I want to do, I want to have a podcast and I'm not sure exactly what I want it to be, but it was starting to, starting to kind of float around the ether for me that it was something I wanted to do. And I just wasn't really landing on exactly what it was. And then um, in, let's see, in 2020, obviously, we were all home a whole lot more. I had the great benefit of having my musician partner being home for the first time in our lives. He's normally touring. So I was kind of like, well, if I'm going to do a podcast, if I'm going to start a podcast, now is the time you're home and can pr- can produce the show for me. And so I I really had to think about what I wanted it to look like and what I wanted the stories to be. And the the big thing that kept coming up for me was that a lot of the conversation we're having today is that sometimes spirituality can feel big and scary and overwhelming and like it maybe it isn't for me and especially some of the mystical modalities inside of like the spiritual story. So even like thinking about, you know, for most of us the very first time we ever went to a yoga class felt you know, intimidating. It's like you walk in, everybody's like doing some sort of chant at the beginning or the end. And like, you don't know the moves and it feels, feels, you know, just feels, you know, a little bit, it feels scary. And so if you think about that across modalities, whether it's like Akashic records or whether it's human design or whether it's astrology or whatever it may be, I wanted to create a place where we really, from a very like no bullshit approach, gave anyone who has interest in finding a better a better way of showing up for themselves could learn about modalities and could learn about practices that could work for them 
And we wanted it to be very much a place that anyone could show up to and listen to the show and feel like, okay, yeah, I get what that is now. And I want to go try that. Or I I get it. And it's not for me, but I want to try something else that Andy talks about or something else that Andy shares. So the show is called Your Woo Woo Best Friend. And that's very much what my intention is, is to be the person who's like kind of tried all the things and has had experiences in the woo and can be your best friend and sit with you and help you to understand those things a little bit better. So we st- we launched the show um, March of 2021. So we were working on it at, towards the end of 2020, starting to record the first episodes beginning of 2021. And yeah, then we launched it beginning of 20, yeah, March of 2021. And yeah, so now we're in our second season. Um, we literally recorded every single week of 2021. We like didn't miss a week. Once we started doing it, I love doing it so, so much. And I'm sure you guys feel this now too. I was so, I loved it so much that I was like, I don't ever want to take a break. It's it's such a joy for me to do it. So yeah, so that's what the show's all about. Yeah, we can definitely relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you learn so much through podcasting. You meet so many cool people. I think that's what keeps the energy high. Yeah, for sure. So Andy, tell us what's next for you. What's what's down the pipeline? What's coming? What are you anticipating? What's the next big step? Yeah, so... A lot of good stuff just going on in the wee wee world this year. We have um, some new classes that we're we're launching. We did a class, um, which was a a group experience, a live experience called Manifestation Blueprint at the end of the year, which we actually did our first two sessions in December and then our second two sessions in January. And we we blueprinted out the entire year for in in the class of what you want, what you want to create for the year. So it was kind of like it was kind of like visioning out every single month and all of the different categories of things that you want to create in your life for for the year ahead. So we did it as a live class and I absolutely loved doing it. And the students, I feel like they got so much out of it. And so we had a lot of people afterwards that were like, can we do like a spring refresh or like when when can we do it again? So we're actually turning that that manifestation blueprint program into a digital offering. So it'll be an online course that you can you can go through these modules anytime and kind of blueprint out the next, however however long you want to blueprint out of what you want to call in and the manifestations that are on your list. And so I really think that for someone who might be interested in something like this, it'd be a really great thing to like do around your birthday or do around like this, the spring equinox when you're like, okay, I want to like really get f- like freshen up and like get really clear on what it is that I want to call in for the for the year ahead or for the time period ahead. So we're really excited about that. We're working on it now and getting all the all the things ready to go so we can put it out to our community as a digital course for the springtime. That's our our plan. Um, I'm starting right now. I have a I have a soul-led women's collective. We call it's called Sea Changers. And the reason we call it Sea Changers is a sea change is um is defined as a marked transformation. So the women in that program are all women that are experiencing or want to experience some sort of marked transformation in their life, whether it be they're quitting their corporate job or they're starting a business or they're starting a family or they're moving across the country, whatever it may be. It's the women that come into that community. That's what they're there for is to work through big life transformations. And so we have within that community a soul-led women in business community that's a part of that community. And we're getting ready to start our next session of group work with those women. And we do that a couple of times a year. And I I really love that because it, it allows me to draw back on my corporate experience and my business experience and work with women 
in a way in which we're working on the soul and the spirit stuff, but at the same time, we're working on their businesses, which is, which is really fun for me and, and an exciting thing to get to work on. So those are some of the big things. I'm, I've got a new book that's coming out, but I think it's, it's like a year away still. I'm, I've, I've finished writing it now, but books take a really long time to get published. I'm working with, um, Chronicle out of New York, a really great publisher. So I'm, I'm excited about it because the work is, you know, the writing is done, but now we're in like the design phase and the artistry phase and all of that. So that'll come out early 2023. And so that feels really exciting too. So that's, that's kind of the big stuff that's going on right now. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Yeah. Lots, lots on the horizon. Yeah. We're, we're really excited for you. Definitely going to be cheering you on. Thanks you guys. Um, Well, Andy, Uh, This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Um, Yeah, so the way that we really like to end our episodes is to let the guest kind of leave the audience with something. So if you could leave uh, this audience with a thought or something to walk away with, um, what would you want them to feel? And then after you're done, feel free to plug anything and everything that you want people to uh, kind of follow you along with. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think this is what I would love to leave the audience with my, my mission and all the work that we do at we, we today is to inspire worth and confidence in the people that we work with. And most of those people are women, but we're very much a community that's open to all people. So inspiring worth and confidence through mystical practices and wellness and living a life of experience. So I would just encourage anyone who's listening to really consider your worth and Remember that you are here very much for at this time for a reason, and you're very worthy of whatever it is that you're dreaming of having in your life. And however you find your way into that is beautiful. And if you want some help, then mystical practices and wellness and experiential living are really great ways to to find your way into that confidence and worth. So I would leave you with that. And yeah, the things to plug. Of course, we've talked about the podcast. So definitely come on over and listen to the show. We we love. We love creating it and I'm really proud of what we've been able to do and and what we've been able to inspire in others through the show. Um, of course, come on over and read the blog. It's weewegirl.com. We have some really great writers and educators that talk about all sorts of topics from astrology to human design to um, rituals to yoga, all sorts of things. So creativity, it's all it's all there. And um, I think that's the big things. Um yeah, the, the next book will come out 2023. So keep an eye out for that. And my last book, which is called Wonderful, um, which is very much a, a travel guide for creative women is still on shelves. It's been a while since that one came out, but you can definitely go check that out too. So those are all the things. And where can people follow you online at your website? Yeah. So the website is weewegirl.com, O-U-I-W-E-G-I-R-L.com and Instagram, Pinterest are the same and I actually do a I do a show with Pinterest TV which is a fairly new thing all around all around manifestation rituals um so you can catch the previous episodes on Pinterest TV that's a platform that I love working with um they're happening live right now so by the time this episode comes out there will be lots of of reruns you can go watch on Pinterest TV too so yeah we we girl on all those platforms very cool thank you for that yeah thank you Andy this has been a perfect conversation Thank you both for having me. It's been such a treat. Yeah, and I'm so excited to take some of your ideas and and get them into practice. So thank you for sharing. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Katie. It's been great to be here.